This is Purple Radio On Demand. Gareth Southgate has finally, after much delay and deliberation, selected the 26 players who will hopefully take England to glory this summer. But of course, for all the debate over the squad, there can only be 11 on the pitch at once. And this throws up a plethora of other questions and debates for us to get our teeth stuck into. And that's what we'll be doing on today's pod, taking a look at both what we would do if we were in charge and what we think Gareth Southgate will do for England's opening game against Croatia on Sunday and beyond. Uh, I'm James Reid, but thankfully I'm not alone in discussing this today. I'm joined from sunny Spain by, uh, firstly, Johnny Tiplady and Ollie Phillips. Hello, hello. Let's get straight into it then. Uh, we'll leave the pleasantries till later. Uh, 2 p.m. Uh, on Sunday, England will be lining up against Croatia on Wembley. Let's start with the shape then. There's been a lot of chat uh, about whether Southgate and England will go for three at the back or four at the back, particularly depending on sort of what the opponents will be. Are we? Do we have a particular opinion either way? Are we sort of drawn towards... A particular shape? Um, I am very much set on four at the back for the Croatia game. I don't think it will happen. I think I'll play three with two wing backs. Um, but I'm personally favouring a sort of four, two, three, one, more or less. Yeah, I would agree as well. I think a four at the back allows him to get more out of the attacking players as well. This England side is blessed with a lot more talent in the forward areas. I'd say defensively, there's not quite the same balance. I think I would personally prefer a four at the back, but like Ollie said, I expect him to go far at the back. I think there's question marks still over the fitness of Harry Maguire and his decision to bring Ben White into the fold tells us, I think, that he's still not quite convinced. And I think that might point towards a, a five at the back on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I think Ben White has three at the back written all over him, doesn't he? Like played uh, three at the back for Brighton. Uh, you know, Tyron Mings has not looked particularly impressive in both qualifiers. And it's, I mean, it's pretty much, without being too harsh, it's pretty much in there because he is left-footed. Um, you know, something that we don't really else have. And I, I see Croatia is probably the most difficult game in the in this group, on paper anyway. Obviously, they're not quite the same side as they were three years ago but yeah I think if Southgate is sort of his his usual sort of pragmatic self then I think we probably would expect a three but yeah I think I agree with both of you that hopefully we see a four purely on the basis of our worst players are our centre-backs so why play three of them especially when we've got when we have so much talent I think there's also room for manoeuvre like you know we saw Guardiola top loading so badly and it just going wrong. But he sort of doubled down in that, and that's arguably why they lost. I think there's always room, if we play start with four at the back, if it's not going right, then change it. You know, after 50 minutes, there's always room to do that. I think you're right. I think Ben White is just that pragmatic pick. I think the warm-ups has such a big role in that, where clearly England was struggling still at the back. Um, I think Ben White will come in and play on the left side of the three centre-backs. But, yeah, I don't see why we can't, begin boldly and if it's not going well you know you can change with 40 minutes to go yeah I suppose there's one advantage as well of Declan Rice is that if he is the holding midfielder he has played centre-back before 
obviously not potentially at international level, but if there is sort of an element of you don't want to bring on a centre-back, he could probably do a job or at least create a back three at times, depending on sort of how much pressure we're under. And I think that's something potentially sort of um, has been lost. But so, that's, I mean, we're, are we happy that it'll probably be Jordan Pickford? That's pretty, that seems pretty, apart from probably the only nailed on. There's no doubt he will be playing. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. That's something you're happy with? or happy I would play man. Dean Henderson. Uh, and the reason I play Dean Henderson is, you know, Pickford, obviously, his distribution is brilliant. You know, he looked like the best player on the pitch uh, last week. Um, but, you know, the obvious cliche with, Hen- with um, Pickford is that no one trusts him because he makes so many errors. For Everton, and he hasn't made those errors for England. But I just worry with Pickford about his sort of personality. Where for Everton, the trend has been he will make a mistake and then sort of fold in on himself and make several mistakes again. So his confidence will go. Henderson's obviously made mistakes, but there's something about him which just looks a little bit more stable. He looks like he sort of puts it out of his mind a little bit more than Pickford. If Pickford makes a mistake early in the game, that's almost game over. You can always sense with him that there's something erratic there and that's always sort of emphasised by him making an error. So that's why I play Henson. But as I said, uh, no doubt that Pickford will start. Yeah, I think Pickford has his experience in the side to help for that as well. Obviously, he's been there before with the World Cup. Um, He definitely is error prone. He's very flappy at crosses. His short arms don't help with that. Um, But I feel like Dean Henson... While I expect him to be England number one for the World Cup next year, I feel like it may still be a bit too soon. We've not quite seen enough of him at a high enough level. I think he showed a lot at Sheffield United, but obviously that was him under the cosh quite a lot. I think neither of them still really convinced me that much, to be honest, but I would still, I would gun for Pickford purely for continuity's sake. Yeah, it feels a little bit of an element of if you could merge them, you know, if you could give Dean Henderson the feet of Jordan Pickford, then you'd actually have sort of a really top-class keeper. We seem to sort of be stuck between distribu- having to pick between sort of distribution and, and sort of that, that sort of more consistent sort of shot-stopping and error, like lack of error prone. And I, I suppose, you know, there has been a lot of chat on the defence and we'll move on to that in terms of who we think, both of who we'd have and who we think will play, but... And that is you know, it's probably is our weakest part of the team. But, you know, go if you look at some of the other sides, perhaps, who will be looking to go as far as England looking to go, we probably are there with probably the weakest keeper, perhaps? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, more just the most worrying keeper. I don't know. I think when Pickford plays well, it's, you know, he's sort of this clip, typical English player, loves playing for England. Everyone loves him. Does his fist pump and everyone loves it. Um, but yeah, I think Henderson, for me, that's going back to what you're saying that that's almost why he's a better option is that he is that the best halfway house between a Pickford and a Pope in terms of, yeah, he's not as good with his feet as Pickford is, but he, he's been known to distribute for United. He's not exactly a, you know, get it away at all costs, Rose edit. Um, but it's just my worry that the fact that Pickford hasn't made those errors for England yet almost makes it more worrying that 
this is going to be a tournament where he does make them. Yeah. And then we'll all be kicking ourselves. Yeah, so the real hope is that we just don't go out to a Pickford era. Yeah. Especially, you know, as we get onto the rest of the team, where there's so much talent. We don't want it to be the case that it's actually because Pickford's dropped it in his own net or something. But let's chat about who will be likely in front of Pickford because he's pretty, he seems to be one of the few nailed-on spots. So if it's three at the back, who, Johnny, do you think will be sitting in front of Pickford? I think John Stones, if he's fit, is nailed on after the season he's had. Um, his quality on the ball is crucial for England being able to play out from the back, which I think Gareth Southgate would prefer rather than just lumping it down the channels. Um, alongside him, you'd hope that Harry Maguire, and I can't believe I'd ever say that really, but you'd hope that he'd be fit enough to start. But again, there's still very big question marks there. So... Connor Cody has a lot of experience again playing in a back five as well for Wolves captaining side as well he's got the leadership qualities I don't know still has not really convinced me he's had quite a disappointing season for Wolves as well um, alongside I think he could partner John Stone Spross and maybe one of Mings or Ben White on the other on the left hand side Is this a concern though because obviously I mean we're not. There's not exactly a lot of enthusiasm about our backline. Sort of this almost, we're sort of having to play someone rather than sort of being particularly confident. Especially without, in Stones and Maguire is probably fine, but beyond that, it's looking pretty weak, Ollie. Yeah, I think the most worrying thing is probably how good Maguire's become after he got injured. The, you know, the amount we're longing for him now mm. sort of shows how weak we are. Uh, I mean, if it were me, I'd have Carl Walker and Ben White either side of John Stones. Um, I think even having John Stones to that central centre-back, that is quite worrying as well. You know, again, a bit of a cliche, but no one seems to fully trust him, and probably rightly so. Um, almost as more so on the ball than off it, because he is so good on the ball, but he's been so liable to... You know, Howlers, especially in an England shirt and fairly recently. Um, but yeah, I think, as we've mentioned, Tyron Mings inspires so little confidence in those warm-ups that I'd have Ben Ben White on the left of John Stones and then Carl Walker just simply for a bit of pace can hopefully clean up any sort of errors, you know, balls over the top. Um, and as we mentioned, mentioned, he's another one who's, who's good on the ball. Um, but yeah, obviously that's been much talked about that's our, our big issue uh, we'd want slightly high high level centre-backs to protect what is a relatively weak goalkeeper as we've already mentioned yeah I suppose with the walk it's interesting that you mentioned the walker thing because obviously that was something that we did in 2018 it worked to some extent although you could probably argue that the Mandzukic goal and the Perisic goal in the semi-final were at least somewhat to do with the fact that Walker was clearly not a natural centre back, and then there's but there's obviously been a lot of talk about his inclusion in the squad because of that. Same with Rhys James, and even potentially sort of someone like Luke Shaw could probably play as a left sided centre back if you really, really needed to. So is that are we going to see it as being basically two centre backs and a sort of a a Rhys James and a Kyle Walker so that Kieran Trippier plays right wing back? 
out of the two, I'd rather Reese James with a centre back than Carl Walker. He has more experience doing that for his. I think he played there a bit when he was on loan at Wigan. Um, I'm still not convinced by that kind of idea. I don't like makeshift players, especially not in defence. Um, I feel like in a back five, like you mentioned earlier with Declan Rice, it works in that regard if Rice is dropping deeper and kind of just filling in as a third centre-back occasionally. Um, I'm not sure how much it works with moulding a full-back into a centre-half a centre half there. Yeah, so is this something I've actually always been quite concerned about sort of this idea of Kyle Walker as a centre-back he just does for me anyway just doesn't look like a centre-back at all he looks so uncomfortable there and basically he's on there because he's quick and you sort of think well this is sort of meant to be elite international football we're basically picking someone on the basis that they're they can run fast and I don't know it, it doesn't seem to inspire a lot of confidence in the likes of John Stones uh, and sort of whoever will play next to him but if we do play five at the back, then is Walker? Because I don't, you know, is Walker sort of? Is he going to play that right wing back slot, or is that going to be someone else? Yeah, I think just to briefly defend the Walker thing. I think in 2018, you just wonder about the number of mistakes that would have happened were Walker not playing there, as well as the mistakes that happened because he was there. I agree. You know, obviously these are meant to be the 11 best footballers in the country, and you don't want to be makeshifting them into other into different roles um, but I just think the fullback options with Maguire out are so so weak that for me he is just the best option with Reese James playing right wing back so is it and a then case, you sort of mirror, is it a case then say if say if we're playing some of like matching it to the opposition say if we play someone like France which is more than the possibility in, you know if we, we may get them in the second round if they come second and say we come up against someone like an Mbappe uh, or someone someone similarly, you know, Portugal have got this sort of wealth of options, someone like a Diego Jota sort of pacing behind, sort of will float uh, and look to sort of get in behind. Is it then a case of playing someone like Walker specifically to counteract someone like that due to the lack of pace we've got and then potentially against someone like Croatia where there isn't a lot of pacing behind? You know, they're probably going to go with someone like Bruno Petkovic or Andre Kramaric up front with sort of Perisic and Rebic, neither of whom are like blisteringly quick. Is it then perhaps maybe we play Reese James in the centre-back role against someone like that and then you deploy Walker specifically again for that sort of pace option in behind against a, like a, a better opponent? Yeah, I think it allows someone like possibly a Trippier or Reese James to go forward and then the uh, the um, kind of the burden of recovery should we get hit on the counter would then fall to Carl Walker if he was that right-sided centre-back. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's probably a good idea to have that playing to the situation. Um, we may find it in the group stage, especially where we're having to do a lot of the unlocking of the defences when we get further in with playing sides like France and uh, or possibly Portugal, Portugal and Germany in the second round. Um, we could be up against it quite a lot, and I think there will be definitely some space behind because there's not that much pace in that kind of centre-half area if we don't put Walker there. So, yeah, adjusting it to the situation will probably be what Southgate has to tinker with, I think. Let's briefly touch on the full-backs then. I think probably the 
sort of this weird wealth of fullbacks that we now have, despite, you know, in 2018, we played da- either Danny Rose or Ashley Young, and now we've got sort of Luke Shaw or Ben Chilwell. I've, I've never been particularly fussed between the two of them. I think, I thought Ben Chilwell did pretty well in the Champions League final, and it might be something that plays into his hands, especially as sort of Tuchel's played that five at the back, and then maybe if we play four at the back, it might be someone like Shaw. I mean, is there, you know, and again, likewise, Trippier's played a lot in sort of that wing-back role for Atletico. So, is, you know, is there any sort of preferences or is it just a case of we've got, actually, it doesn't really matter that much because, you know, it's a case of rotation and we've got so much quality there. Yeah, I'm sort of with you in that I don't think it massively matters between Ben Shilwer and Luke Shaw because they're both high quality, obviously. I think that Champions League win has done Chilwell a few favours. Uh, I wouldn't want to make it too scientific, but if it were me and we're playing five at the back, I'd probably put Chilwell in just because he's been doing it so well for Chelsea in that system. And then if it's four, uh, maybe play Luke Shaw. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, I don't think we lose anything if I even play. Uh, Luke Shaw's obviously four, the informed man, so that's why I've got him in my sort of ideal eleven with a four at the back. Um, and then for me on the other side, I'd have Rhys James playing right wing back um, rather than a trippier uh, who could maybe come on, uh, you know, for his quality of set pieces or whatever. But yeah, I'd start with probably Chilwell and James in the five. Yeah, I feel like of the two left backs, I'd say Luke Shaw is probably the better of the two with his delivery. I liked what I saw back in March in those internationals. He has a lot. He's has, he put a very good left swing on him um, on the byline. Uh, I think Chilwell in the Champions League, he was defensively very sound. He had Riyad Mahrez in his pocket. So, like you say, he is used to having that five at the back experience with Thomas Tuchel. Um, yeah, I think, again, that does depend on whether or not we play five or four at the back and depends on the team we're playing against. Yeah, I think it may be well also be a case of rotation purely because there's going to be a lot of games potentially uh, close together at the end of a long season. I think being able to sort of rotate those fullbacks without it really mattering too much is potentially an advantage. Let's move on to midfield then. Um, if it's a three at the back, are we assuming it will be a two? Sort of similar to what it was in... Um, what, what, where what's been sort of played in the Nations League recently was sort of a where we've often seen sort of a Rice next to Henderson or uh, we've also seen Calvin Phillips in there. Is that sort of what we expect from Southgate? He does favour a double pivot. Um, I think my concern with that would be that Calvin Phillips, as much as I do like him, having watched Leeds play this season, I feel I'm concerned by the fact that it's still a new role to him in that he's used to doing that role completely by himself. Like he is the sole anchor man in that Leeds team. Whereas having both him and Declan Rice next to each other, essentially doing the same role gets a bit confusing. Uh, I think Rice has more energy about him and he's very quick to try and move the ball on forwards. Uh, and I'm still yet to see a fully confident Calvin Phillips, I think in an England shirt doing what he has done for Leeds with his long distribution. Um, I think a lot of fans have slated him for constantly being too conservative. Uh, and I know he's got more ability than that. I think there's just a bit of nervousness still there. He's still relatively new to the international scene. Um, I don't think 
I think starting Jordan Henderson again would still be too soon, given just how little time he's had since February when he got injured. Um, it's it could be a case of bringing him on late on if we're you know hanging on to a result just to kind of rally the troops. Um, if it's a two in midfield, we may we may even see someone like Jude Bellingham in midfield to be honest. He's yeah. shown a lot of confidence in the last couple of these uh, international friendlies since last week. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask about Bellingham. Obviously, probably the best player over the two friendlies in terms of someone who's actually going to be in the squad um, and potentially, you know, has sort of a potential starting place. Some, yeah, as Johnny said, doesn't look like Henson's really going to be sort of fit for uh, at least the first game. Is it... Ollie, perhaps is it too much of a risk to start a seventeen-year-old in the first game of a sort of a European Championships, or is this kid just simply like just far too good to sort of be worrying about his age? Yeah, I just don't really understand this argument about Bellingham being seventeen because I mean we all watched him play against City in the Champions League, and he just took hold of that game. That's as big as you know, as big a game as you'll see, um, and he was in charge of it. And he took responsibility. I don't think there's any issue with a bloke who's already, as you say, stepping up for England at the age of 17, continuing to play for England, but in a ta- major tournament. So I'm with Johnny as well. I think I would play him over Calvin Phillips, who I really like and who towards the end of the season did start spraying it around so nicely. Um, I would just play Jude Belling just to offer that incongruity with Declan Rice, just something different. I feel like Declan Rice and Cam Phillips, not that they're necessarily similar, but I just feel like Bellingham offers something a bit more dynamic, a bit more box-to-box. Uh, Declan Rice can do slightly more of the defensive work uh, and get Jude Bellingham on the ball because he just looks so comfortable on it. Um, but no, I yeah, I don't see the issue with him starting. I personally would have him there without doubt because he's shown that he's mature enough already to do it. So. Yeah, I think yeah. most people sort of realise he's just this bloke is just outrageously good, really. You know, I think people talk about Theo Walcott, but obviously he'd never played in the Premier League. So Bellingham's doing it in the Champions League pretty regularly. I suppose, I mean, it seems like Rice is pretty nailed on. I mean, it'd be Rice and one other. We've spoken about Bellingham, but so then where does that leave Mason Mount, perhaps? Do we see, you know, is he, do we see him as part of the two or is he going to be part of the the three sort of carry Kane plus two and is that potentially one of the drawbacks of this five at the back is it you end up running out of spots for for these sort of uh, attackers I think yeah it does call that into question a bit I think for the midfield I mean ideally I'd have a midfield three in my starting 11 but I think if it were a five at the back you would start slightly ahead but just behind the strikers um, if we're playing like a five Two, one, two, I guess. Um, I think Matt has other. Um, yeah, I think uh, Southgate has preferred to use him further forward in a role which I actually think, annoyingly, is Phil Foden's best position. I'm still not quite convinced by him playing out wide. I'd rather... It's, it's frustrating that we have both him and Mount playing almost well, very similar roles. Um, but I think... Mount is the kind of golden boy that, well, for both club and country, and he's had that role nailed on in like the entire season. Um, so I could see him playing ahead of those two in the field. Yeah, I mean, I suppose 
as you sort of mentioned, Mount does seem to be sort of a particular Southgate favourite. And for a while, it sort of felt a little bit odd, but I think you can't really argue with it, given the season he's just put in. I mean, you mentioned sort of a midfield three. I mean, I think most of us would probably ideally play a 4-3-3 if that was sort of, if we were in charge. So if it was a three then, sort of who would be your three and in sort of what configuration? Midfield, you mean? I mean, so I'd have those, if we're playing four, as we've said, I'd have those two holding Rice and Bellingham. I'd have Mount even in front of them. Um, you know, there's no way he can't start. Like, this is the thing we always have to take into consideration that Southgate has watched Mount in training every week and he's had these tags of golden boy and teacher's pet and all that. But it's just because he's one of the best footballers in the team and we're all starting to realise that as well, I think. Um, so, they don't see any way he can't start. So, I'd have Mount in that three and then I personally am happy with Philip Foden playing on the left. You know, we've seen that City's been brilliant. Um, there's also that, the beauty of versatility with those two. There's no massive issue if they have to swap or choose to swap. Um, so, yeah, I mean, either can play probably anywhere along that three. If it's a five, you could have Mount again in that Tuchelaire system where him and Foden play in the two behind Kane. Um, and the width is provided by by the wing backs, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's got to a stage where we have to almost build this team around Mount, considering the caliber of performances he's put in and the size of the games they've been. Yeah, let's chat about Foden then, as you sort of mentioned, Wally. Again, sort of probably, I think a lot of people are particularly excited about him, in the sense that you know potentially one of the bet the best players England have produced for a long time now, or particularly sort of the the nature of him and sort of the way he can just sort of run at people and and do things that very, very few other players, particularly English players, can seem to do. I mean, Johnny, you've mentioned sort of the concerns about him from the left, but is it again a case of he has to start and it doesn't really matter that much where he starts as long as he's on the pitch, he's just simply that good? Yeah, I think he adds that kind of Gascoigne-esque ability, not just on the ball, but now his hair as well, um, to just take on a man and leave someone just in their wake. Um, I think he's got an on-the-ball quality going forward that he's got the cutting edge that I feel like people, players like Raheem Sterling lacked over the years that so that you could feasibly put him on left wing, should need be. Um I think the problem with this five at the back now as well makes it just means we're missing out on so much more. I think this is where it gets really hard because we've got players like Sterling, Jane Sancho, we've not even talked about. And then I would like to see them, well, not Sterling, but Jane Sancho, I'd like to see in the team. I think Foden, yeah, he's shown his versatility for Man City. So you could ideally play him either side or the kind of front, well, three behind a striker. Um, but I would still rather see him down the middle, which frustratingly is yeah, going to be Mount's role, but I'm not, I'm not in a bad way. He has definitely warranted it. It's just they both can't do it at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd personally more than happy to see Foden on the left. I think it's where he seems to have played the most for City. And 
I think there's sort of this concern. Obviously, he's not sort of a, a winger in the same mould as someone like Rashford, Sancho and Sterling. And we'll get onto them in a little bit. But, you know, I think that's probably his his position now. You know, I think if you if you see Sancho's and Sterling's right wingers, I think if Rashford's really the, and Grealish are the only sort of rivals for that, then I think Foden probably wins that one out. Although I suppose as we look at the friendlies, Grealish is perhaps the only sort of the only one that made a real a real case to start on Sunday. So what do we do with Jack Grealish? Yeah, this is where I've got a bit armchair fan, but I would squeeze Grealish in at right wing. Um just because and you end up talking about about eight different players he has to build the team around, but he's obviously so direct, so good on the ball. The fact that he performed in those warm-up games, which was so sort of devoid of any clear motivation or any sort of speed or whatever, um, the fact that he performed in those is pretty encouraging. Um, you know, it seems that every time he puts an England shirt on, he's almost talismanic and everything goes through him. And it's just about, as we've already mentioned, that sort of, ability to create something out of nothing which arguably Sterling or Rashford don't have um, and then they're clearly brilliant options to, to, to come on from the bench again if it's not going well um, but yeah I just think to have that those two in Foden and Grealish either side the fact that they can fill the holes that Harry Kane leaves uh, should he drop in um, the fact that they can go anywhere along that front three for me means that they're both absolute start yeah I mean I think I actually probably I'm increasingly leaning towards sort of a Foden Kane Grealish front three now um, you know I think you just we're at that point now we just potentially can't leave them out and I think they are perhaps benefiting from the lack of form of Sterling and Rashford in particular I think it's probably if this tournament had taken place a year ago we probably would have started with Rashford Kane and Sterling as a front three, and but I just I think it's it'd be very difficult for Southgate to justify either of them starting on Sunday because they've just been in such poor form. And I suppose Johnny, the only one you, you other mentioned is Sancho. Is he someone for you that has to start? Or I I think has to start probably is going too far. I think in an ideal world, I would. If I were doing my ideal 4-2-3-1 formation, then it would be Grealish, Mount, Foden, probably. But I would definitely bring Sancho on. I feel like he's definitely one who goes by the wayside a lot just for the fact that he doesn't play in England. Um, I think Borussia Dortmund as a team as well, well, apart from the latter stages of the Champions League, earlier on in the season, they were going through quite a poor patch. And I think a lot of, of armchair fans definitely did associate just the poor form of the whole team. I think James Sancho, it's been, well, talked about as quite a poor individual season, but his numbers have still been just as good as the last three years. Um, He provides that kind of quality from the wing. His delivery, his crosses are phenomenal. They've been phenomenal for Haaland this year. Um, And I feel like with someone like Harry Kane lurking in the box for any kind of mistake from defenders, and even if we choose to bring on Calvert-Lewin, in the final stages of the game, he has such an aerial presence that Sancho's delivery could be another tool that we choose to, uh, we turn to in the kind of second half if it is a game that we're struggling to break a team down. 
yeah, I think especially, uh, I know there's been sort of concern with Foden and Grealish and sort of a lack of pace in behind. And I think that's probably a somewhat fair criticism. They're not slow, but, you know, they're not sort of line breakers in the same way that Rashford and Sterling sort of look to do. But then I suppose when you take into account, especially in the group stage, we'll probably be playing three teams with who'll probably deploy fairly low blocks, particularly Scotland and Czech Republic. Then is there actually going to be that space to to run into at all? But then Sancho probably has both in the sense that he's got that pace in behind, but technically is 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 better than um, Sterling and Rashford sort of in front of a defence. I mean, I think we seem to be fairly agreed in terms of a, a you know if we were in charge anyway it seems that we seem to be fairly agreed for a 4-3-3 and sort of or a 4-2-3-1 you know if with sort of Foden Mount uh, Grealish and Kane yeah just to add to that Harry Kane argument uh, I think people are saying that mainly due to his relationship with Tottenham this season and how direct those who have been his teams have played high lines uh, I think as you've mentioned the teams we're playing I just don't see a whole lot of opportunity for that sort of role to come about I think obviously pacing behind is an important factor in any football team but I don't really see why it's you know why it means that Foden or Grealish shouldn't start ahead of Sancho um, I think Sancho is another in terms of club form of a sort of another form player coming in um, but I think there has to be an element of recency bias, I guess, with Grealish over Sancho, just because Sancho has done very little in the England games we've seen him playing, and it's just harder to justify that selection over Grealish. I think he's been, you know, the best player on the pitch um, in half of the England games he's played. So yeah, I think Harry Kane will drop in a a bit. He'll do his sort of Michael Jordan esque role. Uh, of trying to do everything. But for me, it's not as big a deal as people are suggesting it is when you have the players of Foden's and Grealish's calibre on the ball. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that sort of wraps up a little bit, really. I think we sort of, we seem to be fairly, bizarrely, in fairly in agreement. Sort of, I think there's, a, we'd all do a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. Gareth will probably do a 5 at the back with sort of... Uh, Foden and two of Foden, Mount and Grealish around Kane with sort of a Rice and one other next to him. Um, I mean, just sort of wrapping up then, is it, we sort of, there's a lot of been this sort of chat about the sort of the three at the back and the four at the back and whatever, but actually is this for the first time really in our probably living memory, is it actually an advantage that we go into a tournament with options, with selection headaches to make, with you know, depth beyond a back, uh, a starting eleven, and sort of the ability to change systems depending on who you know against whom we're playing, and it, you know, could that be something that actually sees us go further than perhaps expected? Yeah, it's something that I guess in the last in the World Cup we were sort of found out towards the end when we played higher caliber teams. I think there was a lot made about our performances in the group stage, but. The teams we played against, you don't. They're not the kind of teams we're hoping we're hoping to be competing with for uh, trophies. I think, obviously, when you look to someone like France, who are going to be, I think, big favourites, and they have a similar 
sort of ad- adaptability to their team. Deschamps can either do a, like a four-two, a four-one-two-one-two, or choose to do a, a three in midfield if he wanted. And I think that is going to help his side as well. And I think adaptability in these sorts of competitions when you're coming up against so many different styles of play in such a short amount of time can really help go far. Yeah, I think the area I worry with just the number of possibilities is just that negativity that seems to follow England everywhere they go. I think I just fear that whoever isn't selected, we know there'll be a massive outcry. Uh, just that sort of fan turning on team environment that we've had pre-Russia, I just it just worries me slightly because I do think that has a massive role to play. We you know we can go on for days about social media and its influence, but the amount of negativity that can surface on there and players checking their phones after games and you know all the pressure on Gareth, I just worry that almost could undo us a little bit having that that degree of choice because everyone's got an opinion which is almost always very strong and based on club bias. Um, so whatever he does, clearly it, it will be wrong. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. To be honest. It goes back to um, after the Europa League final, you heard what Rashford said about the kind of abuse that he got online after the penalty shootout, which wasn't, I mean, you can't blame him at all. And it's just, uh, I think... England this time around could well suffer from their own expectations. We went into 2018 with, well, we didn't expect anything after the nightmare that last Euros was. Um, It was still a very new team at that point. So we set the bar very low and then were surprised. I think this time around, the expectations are much, much higher. And I think that will go against Gareth Southgate. And as soon as people look at the BBC website and see five at the back, I think, they'll already be calling for his head without a ball being kicked. So I think, yeah, there could be all hell to pay. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it doesn't really matter what he'll do. That it, as you say, Oli, it'll always be wrong unless obviously uh, we go and win every game, uh, which feels somewhat unlikely. But I think a, a good result against Croatia will ease the nerves a little bit and give, give Gareth a bit of breathing room in the next two matches at least. Uh, yeah, I think we're sort of that wraps up a little bit. We're sort of uh, we, we're bizarrely in agreement, despite sort of the the inevitable debates that will ensue for the next couple of days that Southgate will almost certainly not be listening to, including this one. Um, but yeah, I think you know, as we've sort of said, I, I finally a bit of a a bit of choice for Southgate to make for once. You know, no one really knows what the team's going to look like, but. I think most people are pretty confident that whatever we put out, it will be a lot stronger than than 2018. But that wraps up another uh, another Planet Euros podcast uh, where we've sort of we've solved Gareth's problems from uh, over the next few days. Hopefully, he's listening. Uh, but we'll be continuing to cover the Euros both in written and audio form throughout the tournament. So do make sure to check out the website, check out the print edition coming out on Thursday. And check out the podcast. And thanks for listening. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.